God, thank you. Thank you that uh, you, you've brought us here. And I know tonight you have some incredible things for each and every one of us. And so with our hearts, we, we give them to you. With our mind, we, we give it to you. And God, I pray that we can, we can wrestle with you, we can struggle with you, and, and we can ultimately just surrender to you tonight. I pray you open our minds and our hearts to what you have for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Wow. What do you think about this? Huh? I mean, uh, we've, had, we've had three preview services, and, and those were awesome. And, and now here we are, um, the very first Project Salt of all time. So you guys are like charter members or something, right? Here we go. We're starting this thing, and we're moving forward uh, for the city of Greeley and beyond. So you guys ready to take the world, huh? <laughs> Well, welcome. We, we are uh, very glad that you are here today. And I guarantee, uh, like I prayed, God is going to speak. He's been speaking to me all week long. And uh, I know he's got things for you today, every single one of you. Some of, some of you drove up from, from Denver. We have some people from Carl Springs. We have some people from Castle Rock. And we have a good core of people from here. And so we're glad that you're here today. Uh, just to kind of kick things off, I want to let you know we are, uh, we are smartphone friendly. So go ahead and take your phone out, and uh, I won't mention this a lot, however, uh, I love to mention it, that uh, you can follow our notes live on our version. Uh, so if you go to uversion.com and search for Project Salt, all my notes tonight are going to be on that, so you can pull your phones out, don't feel bad, just don't Facebook, okay, I don't, well you can if you want, no, don't Facebook, but follow the notes live, uh, and, and also on there are some videos and some extra things that I think will, will be really cool, so go ahead and pull those out. I won't stare you down or anything. Um, yeah. So today we're going to talk about uh, the name of God. And I, I just really can't think of any other better place to start uh, a church and the first thing to talk about other than the name of God himself. Because in a name is so much. We can learn so much about a name. And uh, to, to point in case, and some of you may smile, okay, uh, what's one of the most important things about when, when you find out you're pregnant, what's the first thing you do? You go out, if you're like us, you go out and get a pile of baby book names, right? You're like, you, you start debating all these names, like, what are we going to name this child? And, you know, like our first child, we had a name picked out for her all the way through. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and except when the day she was born, we're like, oh, let's change her name. It was kind of crazy, but we did that. Uh, how about this? Okay, what's the most important part about starting a band? I've started multiple bands. What's the first thing you do? You don't even have to know how to play an instrument. If you start a band, the most important part is the name, right? Like, what are we going to name this thing? That's so important. How about this? this? I fall into this a lot. When you start a company or when you're thinking like, all right, I've got this entrepreneurial idea, like something I really want to do is going to be really cool. What's the first thing you do? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. You go to the Internet. And you make sure that name's open, right? You make sure you can buy this domain name. So last year, you'll like this. I have some people smiling because they know what I'm about to say. Last year, I got all excited. I'm like, I'm full of life. I feel God like just in me. I'm like, this is so cool. And, and so I was like, I wonder, you know, if I could start something full of life. And I'm like, I'm so excited. So I go to the Internet, and I type in full of life, and it's open. Like, no way. To find full of life is open, the domain name? There's no way. So I get excited. It's one of those things where, like, if you've ever been on eBay or something, or, or you're bidding or whatever, I'm like, i got to buy this now. 
because someone's going to get it. I can't believe this name's open. And so I'm putting in credit card numbers. I'm just like flashing, trying to get fullalife.com so I could do this huge, like, I don't know, but it's awesome. And, 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 and then I, I buy it. I'm like, victory, yes. And then I try to link my website and the domain name, and it's not working. I'm like, I've done this before. Then I looked at the web name or the, the domain name I bought, and I bought full of live, L-I-V-E dot com. That's a terrible time to misspell when you're buying a domain name. I'm like, ah. In fact, last month I just let it expire because whatever. You can go buy it if you want. But when you start a company, that's what you do, right? Like you, you, you have to name this thing. And, um, and then, of course, kind of a tradition in America, it's, it's, I think it's losing a little bit of ground. But when you get married, what, what, what typically is happening, the wife is changing a name and taking on the name of her husband. There, there's a lot to be said about a name. And we think about this. Tonight, you're going to learn a lot about the name of God. I guarantee you. You're going to learn some cool stuff because when we talk about a name, it speaks to the character of someone. It, and it starts to describe, and in a sense, it kind of puts labels. If, if, if you kind of are like, what's he talking about? Think about this. Have you ever had a nickname? What, raise your hand. We're going to interact, interact a little bit. Anyone have a nickname? Okay. I found a website. It was really cool. You should, you should go do this. And on this website, I had to answer like 20 questions. And I did this last night. And it's supposed to give me my like perfect nickname. So I'm all excited. And what's my perfect nickname? And it comes out that my, uh, my superhero nickname is Flying Underpants. What is that? I want a new, maybe you shouldn't go to that website. But nicknames, I think back at one of my very first nicknames I ever got was Slick Trick. I guess, I don't know, I guess I dressed up. I wanted to dress up like Slick Trick. And my brother, his, his nickname was Huffy Puffy. What do you think he was like, huh? Nicknames. If you've ever had them, it kind of it kind of describes you a little bit and what it's all about. And so I really want us to do this today um, as Project Salt starts the most important thing I can think about studying as a church is the character of God and who He is. When we start learning the name of God, we start learning His character, and we start to see how it affects our lives and our relationship to Him. See, we found, I found tremendous joy in Jesus Christ Himself, in the name of Jesus Christ. What He has done for my life, for the people around me, what he's done for all of us in here, it's kind of hard to describe, and we can't really put our human mind around this thing called God and put a label of a name on him. However, when we start to study who he is, he begins to reveal himself to us and takes on different aspects that can speak to every single one of us. So here we go. The first thing I want to talk about today is his name is the highest place. The highest place. If you're uh, taking notes, you can write that down. I rarely do points, but I'm going to do three points tonight. I thought, why not? We'll shake it up a little bit. The highest place. And I say this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. I'll let you get there. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. This is what it says. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is what? Above every name. 
I want to repeat that. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. As we think about God, a God that created these fingers, a God that created everything that we know, how can we label that? How can we put a name to that? In this Philippians verse, it talks about the highest of all levels. His name is the highest. Put an action word in there. Maybe, maybe strongest name above all names, the most powerful name, the most magnificent name. Think of words like powerful names in there. And the most powerful ther- term that you can come up with will still pale in comparison. The only thing it could say is the highest name. And let's move on, okay? In verse 10, it says this, that at the name of Jesus, I love that, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow or will bow in in heaven and on earth. And I love this next word. I've just recently found it. It's kind of in newer versions of the Bible. It says this, and under the earth. What's it talking about here? It's saying anything as high as you can think of, Anything as low as you can think of, anything in any sphere that our minds can wrap around, in any sphere, his name is the highest. You will find no other name. He's the most powerful. He's the strongest. He is the highest place. Verse 11. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God my Father. These verses, I can't do them justice as I stand here. I've, I've studied these a lot, this week especially. I mean, I've probably spent two or three hours just on these three verses alone, and I'm beginning to understand what they truly mean. Just beginning. I think I'm going to be struggling with these verses the rest of my life because there's so much power in these verses. I encourage you, circle them, highlight them, do whatever you want to do, mark them up in your Bible, but really dig into these verses because there's power when we begin to understand that his name is the highest name above all. My friend, (laughs) he's kind of a cool dude, and one of his goals is he wants to be knighted. Does anyone else have a goal? Like like physically knighted. Anyone, Anyone else have a goal like that? I can hook you guys up. I don't know how you, I don't know how you guys, I don't know how you, you go about getting a, a night ship, but I'm sure it's pretty, a pretty lengthy process. I don't, I don't know, you know, the whole sword and everything, but, but, but he, he wants that. He wants to be knighted. He wants this title. He wants, I think what he wants is for me to call him sir or something. It's like, okay, but he wants that title. I, I look around and I see, you know, PhDs. People that have really studied. I see the title bishop. I see kings, right? We, we see kings. We see president, president of America. And all these titles, the biggest titles you can think of, pale in comparison to the title of Jesus Christ. This is what level we're playing at. We're not playing on a kindergarten level. We're playing in the highest possible realm we can even imagine and beyond. His name is the highest place. (laughs) Everyone, everything, all in submission to his name. These verses at the end says this, says, Every tongue 
will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? What are we going to confess? That he is... Let's try it again. What are we going to confess? That he is Lord. Every tongue will confess this. Which leads us to our second point. I like saying points. It's kind of cool. First point. His name is the highest place. The second point. His name is the saving place. Saving. I say saving place because of our conditions. And as human beings, I'm going to kind of describe that a little bit. I want you to turn your Bible over to uh, Revelations chapter 21. Revelations chapter 21. It's a feel-good book, you know, like the end of the world, all that kind of stuff, you know. We get to this this crazy verse in, in 27. So Revelations 21, verse 27, and this is what it says. It says, nothing impure will ever enter it, as in heaven. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So this verse is talking about inner what? Uh, It's the eternal presence of of the king. It's the feasting. It's the dancing. I want us to put this picture in mind, okay? Let's let's jump back a few hundred years or so. uh, And and let's go to a, a big palace. A huge, like, palace, you know, the whole moat going around it and everything. Uh, and let's go to the woods. We're all in the woods, just kind of hanging out in the dark. And there's a feast going on. This king's put on a feast for an entire land. And so you can kind of see in the distance as they have candles and stuff. And you can kind of hear, like, cool music playing. I'm not sure that they have a lot of bass at that time. But maybe, like, string instruments and stuff. We can kind of hear that. And, and then, oh, smell that? You smell that? Oh, what are, they, what are they eating? I mean, they're eating some cool stuff in there. Like, what's going on over there? And this is the point where I go, I want to be in there. Like, I want to, can I go? And this is kind of what we're talking about right here. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about a place where God is. That's what heaven is. A place where God's presence is. And it's saying, you know what? I'm sorry, guys, but this verse right here says, nothing impure will ever enter that place, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will be there. Man, and it may smell like good chicken or something. I'm like, what's going on? Singing. And I'm not sure any of us here have ever been shameful or deceitful. Or impure? Have we? Nah. I'm not deceitful at all. When was the last time you were deceitful? Can you think? <laughs> all right, here's a statistic, okay? On average, the average human being will tell one lie every three days. Okay, that's just like the, uh, an average uh, human, okay? Here, here's a couple lies that, that I found. Yeah, everyone's looking at your neighbor. I see that, Okay. <laughs> Here's a couple of lies that I found, all right? And some of them would be small lies, right? Like I can see myself saying some of these, all right? Here's a parent. And the parent tells this kid that the ice cream truck only plays music when they are out of ice cream. <laughs> That's awesome. Why didn't I think of that one? It's like, man. Or I, I could see myself doing, I definitely could see myself doing this next one. It's 9 p.m. Uh, the parents are kind of tired or whatever, and the kid pops their tooth out. Right? You're like, oh, cool, the tooth fairy. Ah, it's my deal. Ah, oh, I don't have any cash. 
You're like, you can't find cash in the couch or anything, and you don't want to let, let your kid down with the tooth fairy. So <laughs> they tell a little lie saying, oh, the tooth fairy already started his rounds tonight. He'll catch you tomorrow night. <laughs> little deceitful, I guess, okay? Body language. Uh, to, to kind of look and see how people are lying. Um, lies are hard to remember, but you, you can tell. You can usually catch people in lies, even simply by body language. You know, they will give you very little eye contact because their brain's like thinking of ways to... Or either that or they'll stare right at you like uncomfortably. It's like, oh, maybe you're lying at me. Um, you know, uh, another, another thing tell that a person is lying is they touch their face a lot. And, and I guess there's some... Something right under your nose, according to the internet. I'm sure it's believable. It's on the internet. That that uh, it's like your creative gland. Like if I'm, you know, if I'm creating a lie, I'll be doing this a lot. Like, well, you know, I don't know. Any of you good at reading lies? But there's 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 signs of reading lies. The point is this: we're all deceitful. Maybe little white lies. It may be big ones. So if the que- if the if the verse says we're deceitful. We're impure, we're these things, and our name's not in the book, the Lamb's Book of Life, then how do we get our name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Because that party, that feast, that dancing, that chicken, I want to be in there. I want to be part of that. I don't want to be out of His presence. I want to be with the King. Romans 10, 13 is a beautiful verse. Because it's the hope for all of us. It says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's pretty simple. Everyone that says, God, I I need you. Like, I I want you. I call on your name. He says, all right. Come on in. Be in my presence. And I use chicken as an analogy, and it's a sore analogy presence of a king of God? Who I got goosebumps. Point three. First one is his name is the highest place. The second one is his name is the saving place for us. He gives us hope. He says, here's how you can know me and spend forever with me. The third one is this, is his name is a resting place. Are any of you tired? <laughs> Like, really, I mean, it's cool that we're running through life and we're doing all this stuff and we're even starting a church. And, but does it feel sometimes like you're on a treadmill and it's like you're just running and running and running? Do you ever get tired? I can't wait to get to this place where I get to sit with the king and rest day in, day out in his presence and say, God, you're everything. You're everything. His name is a resting place. Again, Revelations, go to chapter 2. And we're going to go to verse 17. Revelations chapter 2, verse 17. It says this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him 
who receives it. I want to talk about these verses a little because, again, I spent a couple hours on these verses. So I have a lot to say about them. But we're going to narrow it down to a couple key words. First word that Aaron found interesting was overcomes. To he who overcomes. What does that mean? It means to him who has surrendered his life to God. To him who has lived his life on this earth for God. And not just said, oh, I know who God is. The Bible says, sure, even Satan knows who God is. But for you, overcomes. That's the person that says, I know who God is. I give God my life and I'm living for God. So to him who overcomes, I will give him some of the hidden manna. And that's kind of cool, but we don't need to get into that. The hidden manna, like God's providing this stuff which is really cool. He provided for the Israelites when they needed food. He gave them this manna. I wonder what it tastes like. I don't know. But one day I'm going to be able to taste it. He's going to give us this manna. I will also give him a white stone. Now, I really want to spend a little bit of time on this white stone. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask Carl and, and maybe Darian. There's, there's a box back there, Darian, and... There are stones in here. These are as wide as I could find at Hobby Lobby, but you, you get the point. Oh, Carl, can you grab these? I want, um, I want us all to grab a, a, a white stone. This is yours. Oh, I want one. Can I have one? I almost gave my stone away. Thank you. In the dark, it looks a little white. <laughs> a white stone... In previous times, in, in older times before us, okay, a white stone had, had a lot of significance. A white stone had a couple different things that I could find throughout history, okay, biblical history through Roman history. And um, this white stone was a couple things. One, when you would go stand before a judge, they wouldn't address you. They would simply go to an urn after you've pleaded your case, and they would either drop a white stone in, or they would drop a black stone in the urn. White meant, obviously, not guilty. Black meant, I'm sorry, bro. That's one thing that the white stone meant. Another thing that the white stone meant was oftentimes athletes, when they would win something, along with their prize, they would get a white stone. And this white stone was their, their entrance, their ticket, into a victory celebration, dinner, feast, whatever it may be. They had to present their white stone. And the third one really is kind of has a lot to do with Roman history. <clears throat> if you look this up, um, it's kind of like in Hollywood, we have the stars, you know, I don't know where that is, like the sidewalk and, you know, famous people and all that stuff. This was, this was kind of the same thing in Roman history. They, they would have those things on white stone for people of great, Statue, right? (laughs) The white stone has carried on a lot of significance. And the thing that I love about this is if we look at this verse, I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it. To he who overcomes, to he who surrenders his life and lives for me, when he comes to my presence, I will give him a white stone and I will say this. 
you're free. You're not guilty. You're part of this victory celebration. And not only that, I'm going to write a new name on this stone. As I was kind of researching all this and and going through all this and praying through all this and, and really, honestly, getting torn up about this symbol right here, I, did, I was doing research and I came across this documentary. And this documentary, maybe, maybe you've watched it or heard about it, but it's China's Lost Girls. Anyone ever seen that? It's just an hour-long documentary and it'll break your heart. Because in this documentary, uh, it goes and it shows Americans going over and adopting these little Chinese girls that are the cutest little things ever. You'll want to come home with like 30 of them, I guarantee, after watching this documentary. But you need a lot of money to do that. And so during this documentary, it talks and it says this, that there are 32 million, I said million with an M, capital M, 32 million more boys than girls in China. And why is this? Because China has a one-child law, rule, decree. Families can only have one child. And if you choose to have a second child, you better have a lot of money because you're going to get fined a lot of money. And so what's happening is because a name is so important in China that if a family has a kid and it's not a boy that can carry on the family's name, They get rid of it to the point of 32 million more boys than girls. That breaks my heart. But even in this world, in China, the name, they want their family name to last. And that's a name that will disappear. Then I found something that really messes with my mind because I can't even understand it. And it's in India. And maybe you know this. It's been on the news the last month or so especially. But in India, if a girl is born, it's the same kind of circumstance over there. They want boys more than they want girls, which breaks my heart because I have two girls and I love them. I don't like boys. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't say that. Take that out, please. Um, But in India, if a girl is born, it's very typical for that person to name that girl um, Nakusa or Nakusi. I think I said it right. Whatever. But in Hindi, that word means unwanted. How would you like to be born to a family and you're named unwanted? That's your literal name. You get to write unwanted on your homework. You get to introduce yourself as unwanted. What kind of name is that? What does that say to you as a person? And if that's your name, what's your mentality of who you are? And everyone's mentality of who you are. The reason this is in the news a lot lately is, is, is actually a good thing. is because there's organizations that are going into India and their whole ministry, their entire ministry, their funding, their life, their everything is to go in and to give these girls a chance to just change their legal name. That's it. They don't do anything beyond that. And so 285 girls last week were so excited. They got dressed up in their prettiest clothes and they went to this huge celebration and they got to pick a new name and their name didn't mean unwanted anymore. They got to pick a name that they liked, that they loved. What's your name? 
And I know what our name is here, but especially if we're going to be given a new name that is just so cool, and God's going to introduce himself to a name that we can't even understand, he's going to say, who do you think I am? And you're going to say something, and he's going to go, "Uh uh-uh, bam, this is who I am. And he's going to show you who he is. What's your name? And what name does God have for you in your mind? And I wonder, what will our new name be when we get to heaven? Look at Revelations 3, 5, and we're just going to fly through this one. Again, it's one of those overcome things. And if you read through Revelations, there's going to be a lot of, if he overcomes, this happens. If this church overcomes, this happens. And so, um, uh, Revelations 3, 5, he who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I love that. And I will never blot out his name from the book of life but will acknowledge his name before my Father and the angels. So this is saying when we get to heaven and we've overcome, that Jesus is going to walk us around and say, Hey, Father, Lord, God, here is... Hey, angels, here is... And he's going to introduce us and introduce this new name. Does that sound restful to you? Because he will never blot out our name from the book of life, ever. That's like the ultimate snooze button, man. Rest and peace. (laughs) Revelations 3.12 also says, He will overcome. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God. In the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down from the heaven uh, from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. So that means we're going to stand there. And he's going to say, not only am I giving you a name, I'm giving you my name. You're going to take on his name. And when he does that, when we're in that place and we're in that restful place, In essence, what he's saying is is I'm imprinting my character on you and I'm identifying you as belonging to me. And if we think about it, the moment we confess that Jesus is our Lord on this earth, we've already overcome. He's already imprinted his name on us. So we get to walk around with his DNA. We get to walk around being the hope and the love of the world. What we call him on earth will pale in comparison to his new name. Our finite minds cannot comprehend how infinite he is. And I can't wait when I get to see his face and I get to see who he is. His name is the highest place, the saving place, it's the resting place for us. And when I think about his name, I think about how our world needs him. Would you agree? Would you agree that this world needs a a name that they can trust in? Would you agree that this world needs someone that's going to save them? Would you agree that this world needs rest? 
It's found only in his name, the highest name for the world. And when I think about that, I think it's actually smaller than that. It's not just the world. I mean, it's America. Does America need him? Absolutely. What about what about uh, Greeley? Does Greeley need him? And when we get down to one plus one, guess what that means? What about us? There's no way we're going to be able to show the, the nations who God is unless He is alive in us, changing us, setting us free, saying "I love you." It starts. With us. This week, are you interested more in your name or in his name? Do you think more about who you are and what you're doing and what you dress like and what you, you know, do you think more about who you are or do you think about who he is? If we're walking around with the DNA of Christ, we should act like it. We should speak like it. We should pray like it. It should change our conversations. It should change what we watch, what we do, where we go, how we think. The amount of time we sleep, what we do with our activities, it literally (coughs) should change everything about our life. Project Salt. Number one, right here, we had it. We've set up shop here, declaring His name. Saying there's no name higher than Jesus Christ. We'll never, we'll never give in on that. And his name is a saving place. It's a resting place. This world needs it. Greedy needs it. And we will shout it at the top of our lungs that our God is awesome. Because that may be the only word that we know to describe him by. I want us just to grab our grab our stones, like literally grab them, just hold these things. And just think about, like, his name. What does it mean to you? Is it alive in you? What's his name to you?